You are about to hear a message preached at Church One on the Gold Coast. To find out more about Church One, visit us on the web at churchone.com.au. And be sure to subscribe to these podcasts so you don't miss out on any new messages as they are available. This is our second week that I'm teaching you uh, or sharing with you about finding your identity in Christ. Last week, I said that in order for us to really find who we are, we first need to know who He is or who is the great I am. I want to share with you today a message in the book of Mark chapter 16 that has become the cornerstone of the birth of the church of Jesus Christ. Without this particular realization, revelation, uh, we wouldn't exist as a church. In fact, no church would exist in the world today. This is the very foundation of the body of Christ as we know it. It is the same foundation that has seen the body of Christ despite of all the persecution and all the trials and all the stuff that we've been through uh, from centuries to centuries that has sustained the church and has kept the church pure in its vision and its goal. Now Jesus takes His disciples to an area called Caesarea Philippi. In verse 13 of Matthew chapter 16, I'll read it to you. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? Or another translation might say, Who do you say I am? And they replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say I am. I believe that there's always this perennial or eternal question that God puts to us whenever we go through hard times or times of pressure or hopelessness. In the midst of all that, there is this underlying question that eternity cries out. And and from, from, from heaven that says, in the midst of your most difficult moment in life, who is God to you? What does He look like to you? For some people, God looks like a a, a father that's abandoned them. For some people, God looks like a distant being or or somebody that's kind of left them alone. Or somebody that is so impersonal they can't reach them. Still, others see God in, in some of the hardest times of their lives as somebody who is punishing them. But I want to tell you this morning that God is not any of those. He is not distant. He is not somebody who's abandoned you. In fact, the Word of God tells us, Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, even though some of the circumstances that we feel in life can feel that God is so far away, that God is so silent. Last week I told you that the Word of God can go beyond a distance, can go beyond time and still fulfill the power by which it was released in your life. When the centurion's servant was healed by merely Jesus speaking the word without even having to go to his place uh, and, and, and touching him or laying hands on him, God healed him. So God is not distant. God is not silent. And God is not angry. He's not some guy with a big stick in the, in, in the sky waiting for you to make a mistake. But even so, it's, it's not the guy that has exacted punishment for you in advance for every wrong thing you're going to do so that you might say, God is dealing with me because I have been such a bad person. No, no, no. The nature of God is that of love and what He wants us to do, experience His love through grace by faith in His Son. 
And that's why he sent Jesus Christ, because we did not deserve to be redeemed for the kind of people we are naturally, for the kind of heart that we have that naturally turns away from God, turns away from good things, and, and, and a heart that always pursues what's, what is good for us. We are naturally selfish as human beings. How do I know that? Because I remember when my kids were growing up, and, and not one of them are exempt from this illustration, because they all did it. Maybe one of your kids did, did this too. And I remember when, when I would feed them or give them something, like a piece of toast with Vegemite on it, and I would give it to them, and I would like to teach them how to share. And I would say, can daddy have some? And all of them said, no! It's mine. I didn't teach my kids to be selfish. But for some reason, even babies kind of sort of have this sense of ownership of what's given to them. So as human beings, we have a tendency to take care of number one. And there's nothing wrong with that in different moments of your life. But I'm talking about in a society right now where there's panic and there's people who are in need. Yes, you need to take care of yourself. Yes, you need to follow proper hygiene. Yes, you need to practice social distancing. But can I just say that social distancing is not the same as isolating yourself from relationships. Because God built you for relationship, not just for yourself. God built you for others and others for you also. So in this passage of Scripture, when Jesus says, Who do you say I am? We need to understand that God is not just trying to fulfill prophecy here. The message for me and for you today is that in the darkest moments of our lives, can we really truly say who Jesus is to us? And I want to explore that a little bit further this morning. In verse 16, Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You see, some people thought Jesus was John the Baptist. John the Baptist, by this point in time, has already been beheaded and died. Some say he's Elijah, who's already died. But there was something about the life of Jesus that was so reminiscent or reminded people of the stories about John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a prophet in the wilderness. He would preach the Word of God and people's lives would literally be transformed. People would come from different places and they would be baptized. That's why he was called John the Baptist. His message was very clear. The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is coming. And he was the one that was preparing the way for the Messiah, not only of Israel, but for the rest of the world and the rest of humanity, past, present, future. They thought Jesus was like John the Baptist because the power of the way he preached they, 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 they thought he was John the Baptist because of the uncompromising um, nature that Jesus had when it came to the Word of God. He preached with authority. He preached with power. And they thought it was like Elijah. Because Elijah was a man not only of words, but a man who was truly, truly God's chosen man during the time of great apostasy in Israel. He was called the prophet of fire. You would go visit Elijah and you got to be scared because if you're not, if he kind of, if he was angry at you, he'd call fire from heaven and fire would consume people. People were afraid of him. King Ahab at that time called Elijah the troubler of Israel. Wherever he went, trouble came according to the king of Ahab. Elijah performed amazing miracles. 
He saw a cloud from a distance while he was praying on the mountain on Mount Carmel and called that the famine would be finished, and it was. He outran the chariots of the king all the way to Beersheba. So we see these powerful men that people related Jesus to because somewhere along the way, they couldn't pinpoint who he was. And this is what we do with God oftentimes. We look at him through our reference of people that have impacted our lives. Sometimes those people might be good. Sometimes those experiences might be good. But sometimes we have had bad experiences of authority figures or our parental figure. And we can relate to God through those filters. Through the negative filters of life and experiences we've had with people and influences in our lives. But Jesus here is trying to, to kind of sort of turn up the heat to the disciples and see what's left at the bottom of the pot. And he says, but who do you think I am? He started with the question, who do people say I am? What do people think I am? And he said, well, this person said you're this. This person you said that. And that is exactly the kind of society we have. Different people have different idea of who Jesus is. Some say he is a prophet. Some say he is a, a, a man of history. Some say he existed. Some say he didn't exist. No matter what happens, the question is not about what history says. The question is an eternal one that God is asking you. Not what people think of him. But what do you think of him? Jesus turned to his disciples, those that were near him, and said, Who do you think I am? And the greatest revelation in the body of Christ, in the church of Jesus Christ, was revealed in this moment. John the ba not John the Baptist, but Simon Peter said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. This is huge. They have been with Jesus for almost three years at this point in time. And they have worked with Him and, and walked with Him and, and, and lived with Him and, enjoyed, and supported His ministry and worked with Him. And, and in all this time, there's been a sense of frustrating moments between Jesus and the disciples. Jesus would ask them to do something. They do something different. They weren't ready. All kinds of stuff. And Jesus would perform miracles. And the Bible would tell us they would just marvel as if Jesus couldn't do those things. It's amazing that you could be a Christian for a long time and really not have the kind of closeness and intimacy with God. You could grow up in religion. You could grow up in and some kind of Christian construct around your life and still not know Jesus in the fullness of who He is. And I believe that today, if you really want to know who you are, discover your identity in Christ in this hopeless times that we are, we're in, we need to know who He is in the midst of the darkness that we're seeing, in the midst of the hopelessness that the world is experiencing right now. And this is Jesus' response to Simon Peter in verse 17. And Jesus answered... Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, meaning the revelation of who Jesus is, I will build my church. And Jesus says this, And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound on earth. And whatever you loose on earth, shall be loosed in heaven. This is the first time that Jesus not only accepted the revelation that He is the Son of God, that He is the Messiah that was to come to the world, He also accepted the fact 
of the prophetic fulfillment, everything that was about him that was prophesied in the Old Testament has now been fulfilled and he revealed himself fully to his disciples. Now here's what I really, really want to bring to you this morning. As I look at this passage of scripture, I see several things that are at play. First of all, of all places that Jesus could take them, he takes them to Caesarea Philippi. Now, you may or may not know the uh, history of Caesarea Philippi. You know, it's probably not an ideal place to kind of do church. At least not from our sort of, you know, uh, civilized perspective. Caesarea Philippi was a pagan center in that region. It was a center where uh, it was right next to the sanctuary of the Greek god Pan. It was a center of Canaanite religious practices and paganism with worship and an altar to Baal. Furthermore, where Jesus actually talked to his disciples in this particular instance was near a place called, interesting, that a, a, a well that was called the Bottomless Pits. Another historian or historian by the name of Josephus calls it the gates of hell. It's interesting when Jesus said that the, that the church of Jesus Christ or the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. He wasn't just talking about some spiritual notion. He was talking about that they were literally in a place called the gates of hell. And this is the point I want to make to you today. You could be in the worst situation of your life. You can be in the darkest moment of your life. You can be in the most hopeless situation of your life. But that's exactly where God wants to show Himself to you. He doesn't just want to show His gloriousness. He wants to show how much He loves you. He wants to show that you, are, you have a, a future and a hope in Him. When Jesus says, who do you say I am? He didn't say that in a place that was safe. He didn't say it in a place where, where everybody was comfortable. He said that in a place where Jewish, good Jewish boys just don't go to. To them, that place was a dark place. It was a place next to the gates of hell. When Jesus said the revelation of who he is in church is is. Is, 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 not, is not going to be overtaken or overcome by the gates of, gates of hell. Jesus, in essence, is saying, in some of the darkest moments in this world, that is the moment where the church has to rise, endure, and prevail. Because the church is the only place in this world today that God has placed His love and power to spread across to people abroad. So I want to encourage you to know Him and bring your heart to Him and have faith in Him today. Because in your particular space, in your place, wherever, whatever you're experiencing today, God wants to reveal Himself to you. So let me ask you this question. Who do you say He is? You have just listened to a message preached at Church One on the Gold Coast. To find out more about Church One, visit us on the web at churchone.com.au and be sure to subscribe to these podcasts so you don't miss out on any new messages as they are available.